This is an AMI podcast. Hey everybody, welcome along to another episode of Double Tap. It is Friday, it's the 23rd of February 2024. That is day three of the Zero Project Conference in Vienna. You're listening to Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Today, we're in Vienna, covering the Zero Project Conference from the United Nations Building. Now, here's your hosts, Stephen Scott and Sean Priest. Hey, Sean Priest, how are you doing today? I am fantastic. Thank you, Stephen Scott. How are you? Oh, you know me. I never complain. Oh, okay. Are you not ready to go home yet? Do you know what? I, I am ready to go home, but oh. I've had a nice time. I've had a I've lovely time. myself. Yeah, it's so interesting here. It is. And, and today on the show, uh, we don't have one, we don't have two, we have three amazing interviews. We're oh. going to learn about a new app. Now, you, you love Microsoft Soundscape, right? Yes. I've got an upgraded Soundscape <gasps> for you. I know. And apparently it's available now, right? On iOS and on Android. Wow. Okay. I'm going to get that. It's got the Soundscape capabilities. I need to stop saying that because I think I was annoying the developer by okay. saying, is it like Soundscape? <laughs> uh, but it is. So we've got, we've got Soundscape. Uh, it's like that. But it also has navigation in it. Because that, to me, was always the thing that was a little bit missing from Soundscape. Oh, you, you mean know, turn by turn? Yeah. You, you, you kind of want that. And the key feature for me and the key draw here is spatial audio. It's using spatial audio to do the navigation. <gasps> and to do finding things. So it's got that kind of around me. He called it like the around me. Remember that app, around me? Yes. It's one of the first, actually, I remember downloading, which kind of had cafes and shops and That's things right. in it. And you could navigate to them. Well, it's kind of like that. Of course, it's no surprise to you that when I started talking to the guy, I'm like, okay, can we put a bus thing in this? Can we, you know, I add some extras? More. I want more. Yes. Never happy with them. <laughs> uh, listen, uh, we're not alone here today. Uh, as you know, we've got uh, the wonderful uh, Marco Flalo. Marco Flalo, Lalo. There he is. He's over there. Working uh, he is hard. Tired. No, he's yes. tired. Yes. He's had a busy two days. You know, we were doing two TV shows this week. Live, you Live. say? Live. Yes. Good old Mark. On the actual television. You know, not, not just on the internet, like All some right. people. Don't get funny about it. Okay, not well done, the, you. We're on the actual television. Unbelievable. How they allow that is beyond me. <laughs> but anyway, smarter people than me decide these things. Um, but yeah, so we did the TV show, two shows, which you can go and check out on YouTube. You can check it out on the AMI Plus app. You can check it out on anything basically labeled AMI. Hmm. This is what I'm learning this week. Anything labeled AMI. And what are they looking for, Stephen Scott? They're looking for Access Tech Live. Access Tech Live, you say? Yes, I have said it well done. many times. Thank you for understanding. Uh, also, we have the one and only... Mr. F. Yes, God bless you, Mr. F. He is here as well. Uh, but someone okay. else we have... What? He's not going to say anything? He's speaking? No. Mr. F? Bye. There you go. There you go. That was a little bit... Oh. I, think, I think we woke him up. Yeah, sorry. Problem. I will say, though, he's a, he's a big fan of Austrian whiskey. Landis. He is, Yeah. Yeah. After a couple of glasses, hoof. Well, I had to say, I've, I've realised something. It's, it's the time to do contract negotiations. I'll tell you, that's that's definitely where we're all heading after this. Uh, but listen, uh, not only do we have Mr. F, Marka Flalo, Sean Priest, me, oh. it's Grace Schofield. Hey! I'm here. In the flesh. In the flesh. I'm right beside I, you. I know HR said I'm not allowed to touch you, but I just did. Oh. Um, so apologies. So sorry, Grace. <laughs> Uh, I hear you've got the hotline, so yeah, it's Absolutely. Fine. But uh, listen, uh, great to, to actually talk to you in person. Because normally, uh, for people who, who don't understand this, we'll send you the script, you record the news for us. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, but 
did I terrify you when I said let's do it live? Maybe a little bit, because really the brains behind the news operation is, is you, Stephen. So it's it's not me. I'm, I, I have nothing I'm the, to do with I'm anything. the wonderful face, and that's about it. So. Oh, well, you are a wonderful <laughs> face. Absolutely true. Uh, well, look, I think we should dive in, because there's a lot of news, and of course, yeah. it's kicking in here. Now, I wrote an intro for you. You don't have to read that. that was All just, right. You know. Okay. Sounds good. But I'll, I will, will we do it like I'm doing it on normal times? Normal times. Keep listening, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> this is the normal bit where I say, hey, Grace. You've got the news. I have the news. What are you? <laughs> Thanks, Stephen. <laughs> and I am, in fact, right beside you in the United Nations building in Vienna. So now we're going to get to the actual news, where it's been an absolutely incredible week for visitors and ourselves at the Zero Project Conference here in Austria. This is an international event that recognizes people working to enrich the lives of disabled people from countries that don't often have the spotlight shone on them. It was held once again here at the United Nations building in Vienna. Michael Fembeck is the director of the conference and he told Double Tap on Tuesday about some of the highlights. We have um, uh, a forum only for uh, Accessible Europe, which is maybe on the legislation side the biggest thing currently happening in the European Union. So there is a a, a um, EU-wide new law that has to be implemented this year in in all uh, national legislations that pushes for uh, public procurement, especially when it comes to IT, uh, to make this fully accessible. Another thing is is called Technology Forum. We we selected twenty outstanding technologies that we think uh, have a high potential when brought together uh, with with um, with international uh, high level decision makers, and we bring them together uh, in 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 a, in a half a day. Uh, we have revamped, um, uh, also following up on the question question of what happens next. Uh, what we formerly called impact transfer into a, uh, a transnational program called now Scaling Solutions, where we identify 12 innovations that are, uh, from our experts' point of view, seem to be most scalable from country A to country B. Now, Zero Project isn't the only conference going on this week. Another major event was AxCon. It's an online virtual event that focuses on web accessibility and has featured a number of interesting speakers and talks. Ryan Bateman is from DQ Systems, the company behind the annual event. He told Double Tap this week how the event came to be. There is this fantastic and passionate community, right, that is trying to uh, help make the web more digitally equitable. And there were pockets of physical meetups all around the world, uh, across the U.S. There are some fantastic assistive technology shows that are out there where a lot of great magic happens. Um, But there really wasn't a big centralized uh, conference that is especially free and virtual that invites folks from around the world to focus explicitly on digital accessibility. One of the biggest AI announcements in the past couple of weeks has been a new tool from OpenAI called Sora. It's a text-to-video tool and allows users to simply write a prompt such as two Labrador puppies roll about in the snow, and the video is created in moments. Early adopters say the results are incredible, although it's fair to say they're not 100% as of yet. However, in a video that's been shared widely online, showing off a similar tool from just one year ago, showing Will Smith messily eating spaghetti, something everybody needs to see, it is very clear that we've come a long way in a very short space of time. Blind filmmaker James Rath told Stephen Scott about his thoughts on the tool and what it could mean in the future for content creators like him. 
You know, I, th- I think there's always that skepticism of like, man, what is this going to do? Will this get regulated? Um, I-, I think there's always room for concern. Um, there's also room for excitement. You know, I incorporate AI into a lot of my workflow. I'm, you know, I'm a one-man show for the most part. My girlfriend helps me out with a lot of content creation stuff nowadays. But for the most part, it's yeah, I use ChatGPT to proofread a lot of my stuff. Help me with like, you know, some ideas. And it's a lot of it's cheesy. But, you know, I can find some things within it to, to you know, ex- experiment with and, and play with. I- I'm excited for it. But I'm also, yeah, I mean, this is... Is video going too far? Like, it was one thing to generate pictures, right? Um, you know, gen- generate copyright or code. But time will tell. This is the worst it's ever going to be. And I certainly do think it can play a role in helping people tell more stories and make content creation the barrier to entry more accessible than ever, right? You know, a lot of visually impaired and blind folks want to create content, want to make videos, but they don't necessarily always know how to edit or where to find that content. It's like, well, what if you could just ask Sora? Like, hey, I need some B-roll for this topic I'm talking about. Generate these different 60-second videos. And then, you know, there's other editing AI tools, and it can start putting that together for you with your um, self-recorded iPhone footage. You know, so I, I think there's, there's room for it. The Envision app is due to gain some impressive new AI features this year, according to company bosses. The app, which uses the latest AI tools to allow blind and low vision people to access printed material and their surroundings, is adding a more personalized experience with more news expected during the annual CSUN conference in March. Kartik Karnan from Envision hinted to DoubleTap about some of the new upcoming features. I think over the past year, you know, we've been doing a lot of research and we have seen that, you know, the whole concept of having a UI uh, or an interface with buttons uh, just doesn't make any sense, at least for, you know, Envision's use case, right? Um, And we've been experimenting a lot with building a very simple conversational interface where you could ask questions and then the AI just knows what exactly to do and does it for you. And this stuff used to be science fiction. It still sounds like science fiction, but I can tell you that, you know, we are very close to having something like that actually in the hands of users. And finally, it's only a few weeks old, and we've reached a major milestone on our new journey into YouTube. Our video on accessibility features within Apple Vision Pro has been watched over a thousand times already, and the number of viewers and subscribers are growing faster than we could have ever anticipated. New episodes of Double Tap on YouTube are available every Tuesday, Thursday, and Saturday. And you can find the guys and me by visiting doubletaponair.com or on youtube.com forward slash at Double Tap video. And I still can't quite believe I'm saying this, but from Vienna, that's the Double Tap news this week. Now back to you guys. Oh, thank you, Grace. That was amazing. Live news for the very first time. Uh, I think we're, we're breaking new boundaries every single day. That breaking news and perfect. breaking boundaries. Smallness. <laughs> and also bottles. I did break a bottle. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, yes. Right? yeah. Uh, that yeah. wasn't in the news. Though. That wasn't Funnily in the news. Enough. Why was that not in the news? <laughs> it should have been in the news. Uh, listen, uh, first off, thank you so much for what you do for the show. Of course. I know that everybody loves it. And we really appreciate your time doing this. It means a lot to everyone, including our Eleanor. Yes, yes. Hello, Eleanor. Yeah. <laughs> She'll love that. 
Uh, listen, uh, thank you so much for coming in. Of course, thank this. you I'll so much. I'll get back to your job and do, do what you're doing here. I know you're very busy. Uh, thank you so much. Grace Scofield with the news and, uh, of course, more news coming in uh, next week. Of course, you can check out that report on our website as well, doubletaponair.com. Right, let's move on because I, I want to uh, introduce one of our first guests today and that is uh, a guy called Hugo. Now, he is from an app company uh, developing a new app, Sean, which is all about... Uh, something we've been talking about for a long time, joining the dots in a lot of ways. Yes. Navigation and spatial audio and the ability to know your surroundings and what's going on in them. Uh, Hugo's with me now. Uh, Hugo, do you want to introduce yourself to our audience? My name is uh, Hugo. I'm, uh, I'm co-founder, CEO of Dreamwaves, where we design uh, and create uh, an audio navigation app focused on blind and visually impaired people. Now, this is very, very interesting to me. As you might guess, I'm, I don't know if you can tell or not, but I'm yeah. blind. And uh, I rely a lot and heavily on GPS and all kinds of applications. There was an app that was uh, produced, of course, by Microsoft for a number of years called Soundscape, which fell away, unfortunately, from Microsoft and has become an open source project. Um, what is your app doing to help us blind people navigate? Uh, very, very, inter- very interesting question and very interesting intro to the question. Uh, so, <laughs> our app we knew actually we knew about Soundscape and it's, uh, it's unfortunately it it, it 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 kind of disappeared. So we we focus on really guiding. So like you think about a, like a conventional navigation app that has uh, a route and a set of instructions. What we do, we use spatial audio to convey the directions to you. Okay. Right? We also have instructions because people asked us, like, let's keep the legacy mode. But what we do, we have this spatial audio, so this like music playing somewhere around you, and you hear the direction of the music, and you know that's the direction you have to go to. So whenever you're reaching an intersection, as you approach, the music will be in front of you, and if you would have to turn left, for instance, you really reach the intersection, and the music will just go left to the left side, and you hear it, and then you know that's where I have to go to. So that's basically what the app does. What we have, just like to complement that, when we already have an around me mode, like with a kind of description of what would be around you if you'd like press that button, and now we really try to make it as kind of an in-our-app replica of what Soundscape does, because mm. we know that users really loved Soundscape, and that was very useful, so we tried also to incorporate that in, in our app. And it is useful, but of course, it is that audio guidance aspect that is missing. There is an element of that in Soundscape, but really what Soundscape is doing is telling you where something is. It's not telling you how to get to something. I know there's elements of that in it, but but for me, it was always an app which, if I was looking for a specific store or a cafe, it would help guide me towards it. It would tell me where it was on the street. I had a situation once before Soundscape where I had asked my uh, phone, my iPhone, to tell me where a Starbucks was. And it, it got me to Starbucks and said, you've arrived. And then I spent the next sort of 10 minutes trying to find a door, hmm. which just seemed to be a brick wall. And I couldn't understand until someone stopped and said, hey, are you lost? And I said, yeah, I'm looking for Starbucks. And they said, oh, it's across the road. Yeah. And so suddenly you have a situation where, yeah, I'm in the vicinity of it, but I'm not actually anywhere near it. So, you know, this is where guidance is important, but also those audio cues. So fusing that together sounds really interesting. You say it's an app. So yeah. you're not developing hardware here, right? No, it's an app. Okay. All conventional hardware. Smartphone, and, and headphones. And spatial, spatial audio. So audio coming around you, what are we talking? AirPods here? Are we talking, like I'm wearing these meta frames? You can use the kind of benefits of these? Yeah. You can use any headset that you like because it's uh, so that we, we implemented our own uh, spatial audio engine. 
mm. and it, it's a software technique. So it, it runs on any headphone you want. We actually, I mean, we we, we use like both frames or, or, or these meta glasses that, that you're wearing right now. They're very, they're very cool because your ears can be open and you can listen to everything around you. You could use closed headphones if if uh, if if you're a sighted user and you would like that, yeah, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, whatever. Because any any headphone. Obviously, yeah. a lot of us want to navigate around our space, but not be locked in with any yeah. kind of sound because we yeah. don't want to disable ourselves further. You know, by cutting off another sense essentially. Yeah. So that's where these, uh, you know, noise cancelling headphones or bone conduction or even glasses can really yeah. make the difference. You say this is proprietary, or you've, you've built this for this purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, so therefore, you don't need to have specific types of hardware. It won't with anything. Yeah, no, that's we really don't. important. Yeah, yeah, we don't. We 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 really focused a lot because we discussed a lot with people, and we saw people used a lot of different apps. And we, everyone told us, I don't want to wear anything uh, different and 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 strange on my head or on my chest. So we really tried since the very very beginning to to design everything with off the shelf components like really smartphone and headphones and we were really glad i mean what you mentioned before was very good we were really glad with the with the appearance slow but steady appearance of more and more headsets that leave the ears open yes yeah that's becoming more popular and that's great of course a lot of it is driven towards runners yeah uh, women who are out on their own who want to be aware of their surroundings i mean in a way that's a benefit to us and the disability community because we can see that what we want is a is a, a device that can help us but is not necessarily built. You know, with lots of great examples I've seen, and I'm sure you have too. And I'm interested in your take on this. Lots of interesting products that proclaim to help in terms of navigation. Some you have to wear around your neck, some you have to wear on your head, some you have to hold in your hand, carry with you, whatever it might be. Um, these are all great, but there's a reality here that is we want to look like everyone else. Yeah. We don't want to stand out even more than we might already do. I mean, I've got my sunglasses on and my white cane. I think I stand out enough. I don't want to have a toilet seat around my head <laughs> navigating me to where I'm trying to go at the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this is what you just said is exactly what we heard from the majority of people that I have ever talked to. I mean, I, I really personally focused a lot since the very beginning to talk a lot with people to understand. I mean, I, I, what I learned is that we we all know about blind people and we see people in the street but we know very very little it's only when you start discussing that you understand well, you a, a lot of the you real say you know but there's a lot of assumptions you think yes that's exactly. it, isn't it this was like for me a huge learning is like there's so many things that i really did not know and that the, the what you mentioned now was a crucial thing you stand out enough right i yeah. mean and and why would you want to stand out even more maybe I mean, if there is this magical device that is so helpful that you would really say, okay, I can... But I haven't seen this yet. And no, not at all. That's why for us, I mean, we don't criticize other approaches. Anything can work, right? Anything that helps is a good, is a good step. But we really focus very heavily on... We are, we are now even doing... So we, we are in, in the very beginning for the outdoor app, we were focusing on using the camera to have an improved localization. We now focus on keeping the phone in the pocket, having slightly less accuracy, but very good usability in, on how you hear the directions. 
It's because most of users also ask us, I don't want to keep my phone in my hand, I don't want to keep my phone hanging in a lanyard, I want to keep it in the pocket or in my, in my bag. Yeah, I mean, and I don't know what it is in the that. blind world with, with lanyards. There's an obsession <laughs> with lanyards. I, I'm looking for one for my Perkins Brailler at the moment, if anyone can get me one, um, because it seems like everything else has got a lanyard attached to it. <laughs> but also there's a safety aspect. People want to be safe uh, yeah. out and about. And in a big city, especially, um, you know, lots of people are targets for, for phone thefts, and that's something we, ha- we do not want to be happening to us because our phones are our lifelines. Yeah. Uh, there are navigational tools, there are banks, there are, you know, everything, frankly. Uh, and that's the case for many people now. So, really interesting. This app, is it available worldwide? Is it available in certain yeah. territories? Yeah. No, you can just, it's, it's worldwide. You can just go to the App Store. So, we have an uh, uh, iOS version, we have an Android version, which is, like, unfortunately, a little bit less developed than the, the, the iOS, but it works anywhere. We, we use like uh, OpenStreetMap data. Okay. So anywhere where OpenStreetMap uh, covers, we, we, we cover too. And what about cost? That's a good question. That's a good question. So right now, the app is for free. Okay. And we initially thought about introducing a freemium model, but we now changed actually our business model more into a B2B. So what we do, we started uh, working with indoor navigation too. We just finished mm. actually a project for uh, indoor navigation at the metro station here in Vienna with the public transports of Vienna. Oh, wow. And our main idea for revenue right now is to monetize uh, the preparation of indoor spaces for navigation. And there's all this legislation, fortunately, towards making all public spaces accessible. right? And so there's a trend in, 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 in all the, the space managers to, to feel that it's, it's a needed thing, fortunately. And so we, we want to monetize that part and keep the app free for people. So we, let's see if we can make that happen. Yeah? I mean, I, I get in trouble for saying this, but I don't think it's a bad thing sometimes to ask blind people to stump up as well, you know, where, where they can, right? I mean, th- th- there's almost a... I often feel there's a bit of a, a missed opportunity for almost like a pay-it-forward type mm-hmm. system for, for apps. I don't know if that's something that, that Apple or, or Google would have to implement into the app stores, but I'd like the idea of me, for example, saying, you know what, I can afford to buy this app or pay for it per month. You know what, give me an extra $5 a month subscription mm-hmm. and that pays mm-hmm. for the next person who can. I suppose the challenge you have is discerning who can get that free space so maybe that's another argument i don't know is that is that in your conversations at all do you think about that definitely i mean our initial idea was really to have a subscription model like with a basic you know typical freemium mm. like basic navigation for free with extra features with with a monthly subscription we we decided to change that because we actually started getting revenue from companies doing doing right. doing some collaborations uh, pilot projects and so on and we know that growing uh, a navigation app business is very challenging, right? I mean, the competition for free navigation apps is very, very big. Yeah. Uh, and we know that that's challenging. We are now starting to introduce more features. And I mean, maybe in the future, we will go back to the model where you can get the free, the, 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 the basic things for free and with some really nice premium features on top for a subscription. We are at the moment really open with this because yeah we, we have challenge, to be isn't it because challenge, you, you yeah. don't want you don't want to overload the app either instantly you're talking about all this and what i'm thinking to myself is you know one thing i'd love to see is an app that could help me better navigate not just my environment but for example if i was to find a bus stop if i was looking for a particular bus in a town 
And I'll give you an example. I was in Edinburgh in Scotland mm -hmm. uh, recently and I was trying to get a bus on a street which has about 12 bus stops in a row. And I wanted to get a bus on that road which only stopped on one particular stop. How was I meant to find it? Yeah. Um, so being able to just plug into that app, hey, I want to find this route using this, you know, on this place, essentially letting all these elements come together. So your navigation, your mapping, your, you know, soundscape equivalent type, you know, navigation, uh, all of that built in and all of that working together. That'd yeah. be amazing, right? Because it's, it's just bringing it all in. Definitely. Definitely. Am I giving it, you ideas? No, it's have very... You, have you thought it, of this already? It's, it's very... It's, <laughs> yes. Actually, it's very cool that you say this. You know, we... <laughs> we are like small startup still, mm -hmm. although we are in this for... It's, it's been... We, we have just turned five. Yeah, so but it's five you're, years. The, you're the best guys to do this because you're not dealing with legacy. That's you true. Can, you can just go for it, That's right? True. You're not having to wait yeah. for some other thing to catch up or some no, huge company to catch up That's with true. you. That's true. What, what's interesting and what's interesting about what you're saying is like, this is exactly the dream, right? We, we can navigate, we can understand the environment, we can put all those elements together to give you like a fine-grained navigation to your objective. What we've learned is that this is like, this is a deep rabbit hole. We, yeah. we, we started with the idea of uh, using spatial audio to... The basic idea was just spatial audio to give you direction mm -hmm. because that's very intuitive, right? This is something that everyone uses. Huge. And, and, and this, we felt this is really cool. But then we said, oh, but it, we needed to be precise. So we started doing a lot of computer vision to make the phone more precise because GPS is very imprecise. And then we say, oh, but there are obstacles and there are all these things, the door, the side of the street, the bus stop. It is, it is exactly what we would love to do, right? We are trying really right now to find the funding to grow the team because we have this vision to have this app exactly like what you said. It's really a companion that can help you really pinpoint not only the direction you have to follow right now, but when you are really close to what you need to do, can also locally guide you and assist you, etc. And I think also user interface is a big part of it. And fortunately, all these uh, large language model revolutions that we have mm. right now. Yeah, I mean, I certainly haven't thought about AI in this conversation, right? I mean, that, yeah, that's still, a whole other yeah. thing. And yeah. I mean, this is also a big opportunity to have interfaces with, 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 with an interface with, with the technology, which is much more intuitive and easy because it's all about reducing your cognitive load, right? Your effort. Exactly. That is exactly yeah. it. For me, I can have blind square open, I could have soundscape open, all at the same time, maybe with Apple Maps added in for the fun, you know, because <laughs> you're trying to use all the tools. That's the thing. It feels to me that we have this toolbox, but none of the tools work with each other. You know, it's yeah. just that the screwdriver doesn't work. It's, it's a totally, it doesn't fit in the toolbox alongside the hammer. Or, yeah. Yeah, I don't know what I'm talking about, but you, you get the idea. Um, it just, I think that this is, there's a real missed opportunity because there are so many elements to this. Mm -hmm. LiDAR capability, you know, the GPS navigation, as you say, spatial audio, all of that combined. Once you bring it together, it's realizing it. But I guess that's the dream. Yeah. But there's reality, there's cost, there's resource, there's time to develop all of this. Yeah. Where you're at at the moment, um, it sounds like you've got a great idea. And you just want to grow that, I'm guessing. This is just, and, and, and having that business connection is going to allow you, I guess, the resources to do that over time. 
Yeah, right. I mean, this is this is this is uh, as as you said. We we have the vision, we have the dream, we have a roadmap out how to get there. We need we need the resources because that's why I mentioned the, the rabbit hole. It was very interesting. Like it comes a little bit with inexperience in the beginning. It was way more complicated than what we imagined. Yeah. But it, I mean, it's enticing because we like complicated problems. But we see that we need time. We need. It, it's not just a technology problem. It's this user interface challenge, which is very, very cool. So you need to be able to aggregate that toolbox in, in, in one piece that's very easy to use. And building this takes time. Yeah. This, this is true. So that's what we're trying to do right now. We, we, try, we, are, we, are, we are fundraising. We're like looking for funding for the next, uh, for the next uh, stage of our development, really to be able to grow the team and push things forward. I'm really happy with the work we have done so far. I think we've made great progress. And yeah, we can only keep pushing. That's what we do. Brilliant. So I'm going to go onto my app store in a minute and download this. Cool. So what, what am I looking for? I mean, you can type in Dreamwaves. You can type in Waveout. The name of the, the first app is Waveout. We know our, our internal name for the, the, the one that's not yet available for the indoor. It's called Wavein. At some point, we would move to wave.io. Ah, got you. Okay. But you can type Dreamwaves or Waveout. Amazing. Thank you so much, Hugo. Thanks oh, for thank you. Over. It was a pleasure. Now, Sean, I know you disappeared off during that for a minute or two. The way you disappeared, sorry, too, but yes, yeah, you're back now. Uh, <laughs> I know, I know you caught the, the tail end of that. That was quite interesting, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I'm. I'm going to try this out because I love spatial audio, and I think it's it's sort of underused for when it comes to mobility. So yeah, I'm, I like more options in this field. Definitely. Yeah, I think I think we've got to get more options. But I, it's like I was saying there, you know, it's about joining the dots. The problem is we get so excited, don't we? It's like, oh, could we add this? Could we add that? Yes. Because you know, you think about things like. The LiDAR. You think about, like, you know, as Hugo was saying, spatial audio. All those things combined make a really interesting solution. But as he says, it's about resources. It's about money. It's about development costs. That's where the problem lies. How do you solve that? I do like his business approach, which is pretty much, as he's saying, you know, it's all about going to businesses, getting money rather than Putting, you know, asking us for that, yeah, that's right, rather than the individual. Do you, do you like that idea? I know, I know, we've kind of I, talked I, about you know this. what I, I, I keep flip flopping on which is the best business model because at the end of the day, I just want to see these uh, apps, these features, these services sustainable. Mm -hmm. And if it means that I need to pay a subscription, if it needs a one-off payment, which is higher than your standard, you know, one dollar ninety-nine cents or whether it means that they go to businesses and enterprise for almost like sponsorship of these services. I honestly don't know. I think it's down to the businesses themselves to decide which works best. But at the end of the day, I think if a, if a, a feature or a service works well, then I don't mind paying for it. Yeah, but there are people who would just avoid the whole thing completely as a result of the subscription, right? They would just say, do you know what? It's not for me. However, the important thing is this app is free. Go download it, Dreamwaves or Wave Out. Uh, wave In is apparently going to come eventually, with, as, as Hugo said, with the indoor version, which sounds quite interesting that he's developing there. Uh, but go check it out on iOS and Android. We'd love to hear your thoughts on that. Uh, stick around on Double Tap. We are uh, virtually travelling to Nairobi next. Not literally. Don't worry, you're fine. <laughs> I know today's been enough of a challenge. I'm tired. I don't, don't want to go anywhere else. Uh, but we're going to be joined by a lovely lady called Celeste next, who's going to tell us about what that's being done there to aid disabled people in Kenya and uh, across Nairobi and indeed Africa, wider Africa as well. So we're going to get into that next here on Double Tap. Stay right there. 
Send us your feedback to feedback at doubletaponair.com. Leave us a voicemail at 1-877-803-4567. You're listening to Double Tap. This is Double Tap, your daily accessible technology show. Today, we're in Vienna, covering the Zero Project Conference from the United Nations Building. Now, back to the show. Okay, let's uh, turn our attentions to Nairobi in Kenya, where uh, Celeste is joining us from. Uh, Celeste, would you like to introduce yourselves to to our audience? Um, Hello, Uh, my name is Celeste in Kenya. I'm the co-founder and hub manager at Census Hub Limited, an accessibility center for research and distribution of assistive technologies. We are based in Nairobi, Kenya, and I'm so glad to be here at the Zero Conference to attend the sessions and to just understand the whole narrative of inclusion and disability advocacy. Well, it's interesting because, first off, welcome to the show. Thank Thank you you. so much for coming over. Um, We have listeners in Nairobi. I know this because they get in touch with us, right? Yes, we do. We have listeners in Nairobi. So hello to all the listeners in Nairobi. You have your representative here (laughs) in person. Uh, You're speaking for Nairobi now. Yeah. Uh, But this is an amazing place to come, isn't it? A great place to come and share ideas, share stories. Uh, Tell us your journey here. Um, Well, I would say for me, I'm... Still newly into this journey, I've joined the inclusive and uh, the space just barely three years ago. I joined our parent company, HopeTech, that is based in the UK, where we develop assistive technologies for the visually impaired. And we found the need to create a physical space where we can at least bring these products to a place where they are accessible by people who really need them. And also the fact that um, most of the people in Africa are not able to access assistive technologies even from the rest of the market in the world. So it was a special creation for us to make sure that people can come to our hub uh, fast to be included in the conversation and also to acquire these assistive tech products at ease for them, yes. Again, it's another great example of why Zero Project is so um, so amazing, to be honest, because we get stuck in our own little bubbles of what's going on in the UK or yeah. Canada or in the USA. And, um, you know, it's when you look wider than that, you see there's other things going on and interesting things. And you're absolutely right, because so often we just, everything is online now, we're digital, but there's still a place to get people together physically and to get hands-on with products and see what they can do with them. I agree, and um, surprisingly, it's, it's a very unique space that all the change makers and the right people are brought together at the same place for us even to understand each other, to understand what it is that you, Steve, particularly need from even the Zero Conference and what is availing for you, and also the right stakeholders to even change the whole narrative around inclusion. Um, I've been seeing a lot of accessibility features here in Vienna, uh, something that is not so common uh, back home or even in most of the places around the world, and it's a place where we can all learn and see that this is something that's supposed to be there already and make sure that it's something that we work to strive and make sure that it's here. I mean, it's easy for me, Celeste. My needs are water and fried chicken. That's Mm -hmm. all I need. (laughs) Everything else I'm fine with. I can live. A bed would be nice, you know, but I'm I'm not essential. Yeah, it's not essential. There's a floor somewhere, I'm sure. (laughs) Um, What is the picture in Nairobi for disabled people? What is it like being disabled in Nairobi today? 
I have had this question um, around often and most of the people would like to understand even the dynamics back in Nairobi. And I would say yes, from our experience, that um, they are supported but not fully. Let me just use those two contrast, uh, cont uh, contrasting uh, statements because at the end of the day you find that our roads are still not well marked. Our pathways are still not as inclusive as they should be. Most of the buildings are not constructed in an accessible way but we also applaud the fact that the newer models of the buildings are now embracing the fact that accessibility is wanted in, this, in these spaces and for us uh, creation of our hub is to make sure that we can also use that space to create awareness, to talk about accessibility, to make sure that we have inclusive spaces that can allow anyone, not just people with disabilities, to even have an ease of movement and independence in that in that note. So for us, we can say we are still catching up with most of the technological advancement that are been put in place for people with disabilities but uh, it's still a call that is wanting and we hope that the right people who are listening and even the government itself can do more because we need to do more and that's why we're here to advocate for that. You know, being brutally honest with you, I think that most of us think, especially I'm from the UK, Sean's from the UK, we are here in you know, Vienna but of course you know, our, our show broadcast in Canada and around the world. In our countries, I think we often think about the larger problems affecting Africa. So we don't think about how someone with disabilities could flourish in that environment as sure. a result of the challenges, the overall challenges we hear. Yeah. Is the picture better than perhaps... I mean, you say you got this question a few times, which means I guess other people think the same thing and maybe yes. just don't come out and admit why. But, yeah. you know, I think we all kind of wonder what's going on. Do you think the picture's better than perhaps we think it might be? for disabled people then? Okay, um, I would want to answer that, as you've said, from an honest perspective. And, and I know it's relative as well. Yes, it's very relative, because at the end of the day, it's a general conversation that is yeah. being held by everyone. I would say that um, at this point, the community is still disadvantaged. Um, most of the uh, issues is not given the first-hand um, approach or even solutions because maybe there are other problems that people are dealing with. And at the end of the day, uh, without even considering the general aspect of many other challenges that are being experienced in Africa, people with disabilities still don't even have access to any assistive technology or even the right places to even go to work or even get um, chances to go to school or even access higher education in that matter. We feel that um, the conversation is still at a very early stage of being dealt with and at the end of the day, I believe we should bring more, more people to discuss this even in the higher levels because at the end of the day, it's not being as addressed as we'd want it to be. And yes, the challenge is there. The main challenge is still being overlooked because maybe the government is not doing as much as they should do to make sure that the people with disabilities are given also the right um, attention they should be getting. And at the end of the day, it's just as 
we are having this conversation, but then what is being done? What are the solutions? What are the policies and the lobbies that are being passed? Yes, of recent past, we've had um, uh, some some policies that have been passed by the parliament to make sure that um, we have even like the, the, the rule and the gender rule in parliament to have even people uh, with disabilities included. We now have even senators and members of parliaments from even the lowest um, hierarchy of, of execution to even the highest one. But at the end of the day, this is something we feel it should be given more more attention. And at the end of the day, we should not put it as a minority kind of an issue. It should be put in the forefront of the other things that are being addressed too as well. Because disability affects everyone. Yes, disability yes. affects everyone. I agree yeah. with you. Yeah. But there's two levels here though, right? Because you've got the governmental level yes. there of, of you know putting legislation in place and making sure that facilities are accessible. But you've also got the society level of what people assume um, people with disabilities are capable of. And that, I think the society level is a lot harder to, or maybe not as quick to change people's attitudes yeah. to people with disabilities. Um, what I would say in that, in that regard is we are still trying to create more awareness. Uh, first and foremost, uh, being one of a kind, our hobbies is just trying to revolutionize the whole conversation about uh, disability awareness because at the end of the day yes we have the organizations that support people with disabilities we have the national council for people with disabilities yes they know if you are visually impaired today you should approach them for you even to get the registration done but then afterwards what opportunities are you exposed to um, the society itself how do they perceive people with disability because i don't want to say that uh, it's being well embraced but at the same time, it's also a matter of us making sure that people get to know that we need to include everyone in the whole conversation. We need to make sure that the society is ready to even um, adopt measures that can be able to help people with disabilities as well. So yes, it's a matter of creating awareness. It's a matter of making sure we can pilot many programs as possible to even reach to the people in the rural areas and to even get to know what they are exposed to as much as also the information they get to know about people with disabilities because it's often not the case. Yeah. Yeah. Would it surprise you if I said that a lot of what you say and a lot of the experiences you're talking about, and I know you're talking broadly, a lot of that I recognise in the UK. I, I recognise lack of uh, understanding of disability. Um, I feel that when I think back to the civil rights movement in America, when I think about the suffragette movement in England, when I think about all these movements that happened decades ago and huge strides forward in many, many areas for many groups of people, disability hasn't had that moment yet, I don't think. And I feel that in the West, you must feel it even more so in Nairobi. Yeah. Um, it's, it's, um, it's funny... Um to just say that this is a universal problem. Mm. It's not just Africa, it's not just anywhere in Europe. It's, um, it's a correlative of a problem that we are facing as a, as a humanity, as a society. And I feel the fact that we are even able to bring this on the table and discuss it, it's to challenge our, our societies to make sure that this is the same conversation you would be having in London, is the same conversation you would be having in Nairobi. You've got hope, right? Yes. And You've got hope because th this conversation is happening. Yeah, this yeah. conversation is happening. and We're not being locked away anymore. Oh, yes. 
Yes, right? I that's, mean, that I agree. And, and at the end of the day, we should make sure that how can we find ways to eliminate these kind of um, bureaucracies or even issues that are not even open to the society at, at first. And at the end of the day, we, we all strive to make the world a better place. Uh, here at the Zero Conference, we are championing for a world with zero barriers, and we hope even the barrier of information and lack of this information to the right people should make uh, should be reached to them for them even to know that this conversation is being held. We need more action. We need more people included, and we need the society to embrace everyone as they should. Yes. Well, I think if you're at the forefront of it, things are going well because oh. you have many great things to say and you know i wish you well with it honestly thank I wish you, you all so the best. much thank you so much and i'm open to learning i can say uh, this has been a tremendous journey for me to even understand who i am as a person it all narrows down to our individual values mm. and at the end of the day it's for us to make sure i can make you feel comfortable with whatever setting we are in, whether the benefits I'm getting, you're also enjoying them. And at the end of the day, it's to make sure that the world is inclusive and the world is better place for all. Thank yeah. you so much for I having me. Celeste needs to run the world, don't you? Yeah, well said. Yeah. Fantastic. This is what we need. Uh, Celeste, thank you so much. For thank you for having me thank and you. have a nice day. Thank you. Just really interesting, Sean, isn't it, to learn about all these different communities around the world Some, and you know it's been really interesting for me today because I've learned so much about my own country I think yes having people from the UK saying to me you know what there are some other countries in this world that you wouldn't think of you know that are more accessible to me as a disabled person than, than the, my home country I feel is. yes I'm I surprised feel, by that uh, yeah I, I, exactly right uh, again it's just widening your experience and talking to people it, yeah. it makes a difference it really does uh, let's move on because uh, someone's with us who wants to talk about Braille you know I love Braille so let's talk Braille with uh, is, is Gwen isn't it Gwen do you want to introduce yourself so my name is Gwen Gwen Birchall um, I'm originally from the UK but I have lived in Azerbaijan for the last 25 years I went there on an adventure and then one day visited institution for children with disabilities and these were kids who had been abandoned by their families because of their disability and it was such a shocking sight I just couldn't like walk away from that and that started me on my journey of um, working in Azerbaijan to build ecosystem around keeping children with disabilities in their families um, and through these years of work I've built up a big team we've built up huge expertise on disability and inclusion and supporting international organizations and donor agencies and so on to strengthen their inclusion policies so that's sort of my background over the last 25 years. And then I've taken that experience now into this uh, enterprise development with this Braille Teach device um, after a young man from Azerbaijan approached me with a prototype uh, of the device you just uh, had a little uh, try of. Mm. And um, I immediately understood that this was a, this was a great way to strengthen... Um, braille literacy uh, through business development and so we've been working together on trying to bring this device to market now 
and showing it to as many people. And this Zero Conference has just been an amazing opportunity to share it with people. Well, it's a great chance just to talk to so many people who are interested in new technologies, Mm -hmm. but also interested in ways of doing things. Mm -hmm. You mentioned Azerbaijan, of course. Uh, You know, we think internationally here at Zero Project. We're not thinking immediately about the US or the UK or Canada, right? Yeah. Uh, Which is, I think, a huge benefit to this conference. Um, Absolutely. Talk us through this device because this yeah. is very interesting. Uh, yeah. To me, I, I just held it there, so did you, Sean. Yep. And it was kind of like, it made me think of a computer mouse in terms of size. Exactly yeah. what I was going to yeah. say. Slightly yeah. bigger than a computer mouse, but yeah. yeah. yeah so what's this function? Yeah. What is it? Uh, well, it's designed to fit in the hand. Whether you're a child or an adult, it just fits comfortably in the hand. And it's designed that you can play with the games and in your own time, become comfortable with the Braille uh, six-dot code. Learn the letters, the numbers, the symbols, um, and then take that learning into further uh, literacy development. Um, but the idea—it's also a really attractive little toy. So, particularly children um, who don't have visual impairments, they see it and they go, oh, "I want to play with it." Mm. And um, we see that this is a really great um, innov- innovation in terms of inclusion by design. I learned that phrase yesterday. Um, <laughs> so, uh, and I have had some interest in one of the big uh, toy chains in the UK. Um, uh, potentially, they may stock it as wow. a as a learning to, you know, play learning toy um, for all kids that comes from the disability sector because they're very pro inclusion. So I'm hoping that that uh, that uh, idea will you know will pan out. Um, maybe if they hear this radio show and understand that there's a lot of interest in this, that might encourage them even more because I think that if we can get this into a mainstream toy store and build a marketing campaign around it so that uh, other then uh, ch- children don't notice disability they you know they just want to play you know mm-hmm. i've done a lot of work on inclusive preschool and it's the parents who freak out but the kids don't <laughs> kids can care less they are oh, somebody to play with fine you know yeah. um, and so i think that learning toys that are um, that support any type of inclusion uh, is a way to go um, for uh, changing or rather building an inclusive approach from childhood level so kids don't then grow up into adults with stigmas and dis- uh, barriers in their, in their thinking, you know? Absolutely. And uh, you, you, going into the mainstream in that way, in a yeah. mainstream toy store, yeah, it's almost, you know, I'm surprised by that, but I shouldn't be. But you're absolutely right. You have to help me convince them that it's the right way to go. Then. Yeah, well, the, I mean, yeah. we recently have the Lego Braille Play Bricks, mm-hmm. yeah, which are right. really successful. In fact, yeah. they were originally just for education market. And um, because of the popularity and everyone wanting them, they've gone, yeah. uh, well, mainstream, if yeah. you like. Yeah. That's so, the first word that comes to mind for me. Lego. Yeah. Lego, Lego. Yeah, absolutely, exactly. yeah. Get, getting Braille into the hands of children is so important because yeah. uh, Stephen and myself are both trying to learn Braille now, and yeah. you know, at the age that we're at, it's uh, we find it harder. Yeah, and um, I think as children, obviously, the, yeah. the earlier you can introduce Braille in any form, the better. Yeah, absolutely, and I mean, I raised my son um, in my, you know, he came to all my work. 
all my projects, every time I'm in and out of institutions, he was there from like youngest age. You know, when I was setting up uh, services for children with disabilities, I dragged him along to uh, help me. And, you know, I couldn't put him in in care, you know, somebody else's care. Come along, help me. So he got very used from a very young age to just being around children with disabilities and just playing with them. And so he grew up with zero uh, stigma. And what I noticed that when he was at school, all the kids who had like learning issues or some kind of like social um, uh, developmental delay, they gravitated towards him because he had no stigma inside. And you think like, okay, that's one kid. But imagine if every kid Mm. from a youngest stage is just learning that, you know, that... Disability is not a barrier whatsoever. Because just kids just want to play. That's all. Right. Let's try this thing. Come on. Let me yeah. uh, let me get hands on here. <laughs> okay. So you remember how? Uh, so I'm going to turn so, it on. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to bring it up to the microphone so everyone can hear. Because it's it quite on. noisy in here. Yeah. So I'll turn it on. Hello. Top. Let's go. play. Choose a game you would like to play. Okay. So I will that. Read the letter. So yeah. Right. It says it will read the letter. So we've That's got the here the six dots. Game. Yeah. Uh, and two of them are because Sean's been playing with this; he's yeah. broken it already. Uh, so <laughs> <Sorry>. we've got <laughs> we've got uh, two dots here. So we've got one two and ra- four. Yeah, the they're moment. raised right now. Yeah. And I can change that, right? So I can yeah, just, just so if I go to dot two and just push that button in. Yeah. And then you press the OK on the top left. Yeah. So I press this button in the side, and it should say what the letter is. I'm guessing it's F, right? F. Hey, F. There you I was go. right. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. But, I mean, you know, the thing is, that is cool, right, Sean? I mean, you know, it's like that, that whole learning through play. But I, I mean, you're key. saying it's for kids, right? But yeah. I, 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 I think adults love to play. I sit at home playing with this and, like, learning the Braille alphabet myself, yeah. you know? And uh, I'd never have thought about sitting down and learning Braille in my life until I got this and thought, oh, okay, you just sit there playing around. I've had other people who've been testing it for us, people with visual impairments. They just pop their, the earphones in the jack and sitting on the train on their way somewhere, just playing around with it. So, you know, it's... Um, and it's got games, yeah. right? Yeah, it's eight games. So four for the learning the letters and four for learning numbers and symbols. And each right. game takes you through a different way, a method of learning learning the code. And the final game uh, for numbers, for letters, is like a timed game. Mm. So you've got to try and guess as many letters correctly in one minute. And I've had proficient Braille users who've who've tested themselves that, against that game, and they've been like, oh, they found it quite addictive. <laughs> oh, and like there you to, go, Stephen. to play well, against, not me. Uh, to you know, try and beat their beat their previous score. So you know, it's yeah, it's fun learning, learn, play and learn. So when this comes out, what kind of price would you imagine people would pay? Um, we are. We have a recommended retail price of $140, or which these days is the same in you know pounds and euros. You know, yeah. so um, so that's a recommended retail price that's on the market for. And um, when we have uh, spoken, we've done our research with people with visual impairments about the price, and they all uh, have told us that that's a really reasonable price uh, that's affordable it's not exploiting they say sometimes people with visual impairments get exploited over the price mm-hmm. of uh, of products so we talk about it all the time yeah, yeah. so uh, all research all feedback that has come back during our sort of pricing strategy research has said yeah that's a that's a fair price yeah. So can we follow this online? Can we follow this progress? Yeah, we have um, a website, which is simply brailleteach.com. 
um, and we have Facebook page and a growing Instagram page. So and LinkedIn accounts for the business side. So yeah, we we're covering all social media channels. Oh, TikTok one day we'll, well come done. to TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, this is yeah. um, supports many languages as well, right? Yeah, Not that's just right. So it can be programmed in any language that's compatible with the Braille code. Um, so we currently have it in in English, in in Azerbaijani, the original language it started in, in in Russian, in Ukrainian. Yeah, peace across all bar- borders. Um, French, Spanish, we've just uh, formulated it in Turkish, we've just had inquiry from Saudi Arabia about getting it into Arabic. Um, and so, yeah, we're, we're working on the language development and rolling it so we can roll it out to each country. Amazing. Yeah. Gwen, thank you so much for coming by thank and you best for, of luck with it. Thank you very much. Thank you. Glad thank you, you enjoyed it. Well, there you go, Sean. Uh, that is something else for my uh, list to buy when I get home. I know. I want to play. I want to do the quiz. We can have a competition. I really enjoyed that. I really enjoyed uh, hearing it from Gwen. Uh, listen, it's not the only conversation you're going to hear from Zero Project because uh, there's loads more to come and Mr. F will kill us if we don't include more conversations. So, uh, yes, expect more chats in the next week or so. Uh, you're going to hear lots more and on YouTube as well. Lots of content there. Go check it out. Just search for Double Tap Video on YouTube and catch us there. Thanks to everyone at the Zero Project conference for helping us out, making us feel so welcome as they they did last year and once again this year. It's been a fantastic event. Thank you so much to everyone. Thanks to Mr. F, thanks to Grace Scofield, thanks to Marco Flau, thanks to everybody here at Zero Project. No doubt we'll be doing this again next year. I really hope we are. I hope so. Did you enjoy your first Zero Project? I did, yeah. I I definitely want to come back next year. Okay, fantastic. See if we can get the food budget for it. Uh, (laughs) Catch you next time. (laughs) Bye bye. Bye bye. Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.